Oh, hello, I'm Burt Green. This is the Burt Locker. It's now time for the Casuals Guide for UFC 296. This is an absolutely huge card. I'm looking forward to it. Full disclosure, this is take two because work has been destroying me. Like, I am so tired. I've just been exhausted. All my, my perpetual state at the moment is just exhausting. Uh, I wasn't happy with the energy levels in it, so I've decided to, to give it another go. Um, so yeah, anyway, work sucks. Work is just terrible. I hate my job right now. I really do. I'm not going to say where I work. But goddamn, is it just awful. I'm going to vent just for a second. Look, look just subscribe. Subscribe to this so I can try and do this all the time. I, I like doing this. Work is terrible. Go to hell. Anyway, these fights will make me happier. This, if you haven't seen it before, it's called a casuals guide. I run through, I give you a bit of information on every single fighter, every single fight, the entire card, from the early prelims all the way to the main event. And I'll get it wrapped up in around 20 minutes. This is a very, very big card, so I better get cracking. They're starting the early prelims. We've got Randy Rootboy Brown taking on Muslim Salikov, one of the scary Russians. Uh, so you've got six foot three playing 5'11, uh, eight inch reach for Brown. This is in the welterweight division, by the way. Now, the reach for Randy Brown, uh, eight inch reach, that's something to really keep an eye on because he fights long very, very well. His footwork in his more recent fights has been outstanding. He throws that long straight, the long straight punches with the rear hand really well, and he switches stances a fair bit. His kicks are also very nice. He's got excellent grappling. Plus, he's got one of my favourite finishes of all time where he actually hammer-fisted a guy from the bottom uh, to the, or did he get hammer-fisted? I forget. <laughs> he might be the victim of it actually, honestly. Thinking back on it, my memory might be taking, making, uh, playing tricks on me. Let me know in the comments. Did Nico Price knock him out with hammer fists or did he knock out Nico Price with hammer fists because I'm now doubting my entire existence right now. Uh, anyway, Salikov, he looks really scary, but in the UFC, actually, he's been up and down. Uh, he gets a lot of submissions, but he's you know he prefers to strike. He's got 13 first-round finishes, a lot of those outside the UFC. They're pretty meaningless. Um, he can be left vulnerable to being outpointed, actually, which is what I think is going to happen here. Because uh, you've got Randy Brown, he's got about 50% strike rate, uh, strike accuracy. He's got a lot of submissions as well. He's, he's kind of good in every area. I think that Brown will weather the early storm from Salikov and actually go on to a decision in that one. Uh, Martin Bidet taking on Shamil Gaziev. You've got Slovakia versus Russia in this one, heavyweight division. Six foot four, plays one, plays six foot four. One and a half inch reach for Gaziev, not much in it. Um, Bidet is very, very dangerous, right? Since uh, winning on the Dana White Contender Series, he's gone on a four fight win streak. Uh, he's got really heavy hands. He's just been knocking people out. And then he went and got a Kimura on Paris in his last fight just to throw my accumulator out because I had him by knockout but still what a hell of a finish really good uh, he's got 100% takedown defense as well you know it is what it is uh, heavyweights there's not a lot of guys shooting takedowns I guess he does have uh, 5.562 strikes per minute uh, like significant strikes hmm, it's not bad he's got a kind of average um, Gazeev is undefeated uh, he's 11 and 0. He's got seven knockouts, same as Bidet, actually. Uh, Dana Watts contender series. He won by rear naked choke. So both these guys are pretty similar. I think that Bidet's had the more fight experience at the higher level. So I'm going to take Bidet by knockout in that one. 
Andre Philly uh, taking on Lucas Almeida, uh, 145-pound division, 5'11 plays 5'11, three-inch reach for Andre Philly. Now, Andre Philly is a veteran of the game, uh, one of those team alpha male guys. He's got excellent wrestling, but he's got very good boxing, very good footwork. His kicks aren't bad either. He kind of puts it all together, but I don't know. In his last few fights, it, I'm, I'm wondering how much does he have in this game anymore. Almeida, on the other hand, he's an absolute killer, right? 14 wins, 14 finishes. That don't happen by accident. Nine knockouts, and he's also got like a few submissions as well. So he, getting nine knockouts at 145 pounds is ridiculous. Um, he's got he got one win in the UFC, though, two fights. His other one, he lost his last fight to Pat Zabatini. He got submitted. I do like Almeida here, though. He is an absolute monster wherever this fight goes. And Andre Philly's last performance against Nathaniel Wood just didn't really fill me with confidence. So then you've got Taga Alan Bekov. Uh, the Russian taking on Cody Durden, the American, 125-pound division. 5'7", plays 5'7", three-inch reach for Olenbekov. Olenbekov is a submission grappler, Russian style. Uh, you've got three, he gets 3.81 takedowns per round. Most people, most fighters have less than one. So that's quite, quite high. Uh, six wins by submission. Uh, look, in the striking, you know, it, 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 that's not his bread and butter. He likes to go for the grab. And Durden's a finisher, 11 of 16, uh, split between submissions and knockouts. He's good everywhere, honestly. He uses the takedown a lot. He's actually got a higher takedown rate than Salakar, 5.41. That's interesting, okay? And that's because he's got 80% on the takedowns on his accuracy because he's just so aggressive with them. He lands more significant strikes than he absorbs. Uh, he's kind of good in every area. That's why I like Durden in this one, honestly, because as scary as that Russian wrestling style is if you fight fire with fire and if he does it, on the on the stats at least he should be getting more success but it, we'll see on the night I like Durden Durden for I think I don't know if he's an underdog or not but uh, his aggressive takedowns will get the job there I think Alonzo Menafield takes on Dustin Jacoby in the light heavyweight division. Six foot play, six foot three. Both with a 76 inch reach. Uh, Menafield's an absolute beast. Former linebacker at college, played for Alabama, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's got a great, the point is, he's a great athlete. Really great athlete. Hits very hard. Uh, 10, of, uh, 10 uh, of 14 wins by knockout. Uh, he prefers to stand. He's got a 77, 76% takedown defense, which means that he can keep those fights standing and land those big punches. Uh, Jacoby, he's a beast. 12 of 19 by knockout, in fact. Uh, he's a little bit busier than Menafield on the significant strikes, uh, but that's because he gets into firefights. He does absorb more than he lands as well, according to the stat sheets. Uh, rarely, he looks. He doesn't really look to take it to the ground. You know what he's going to do. I, think, I like Menafield here. I think that he's probably got the edge in a firefight just because he's got that ridiculous power. I'm going to roll the dice on Menafield's power in that one. So that is the early prelims. Next up are the prelims. Uh, look, if you enjoy this content, hit subscribe. It's as simple as that. It helps me. And also, if you want to see, like, I drop content all the time. Talk fights, talk NFL, have a bit of a laugh along the way. It's good fun. So hit subscribe, hit the bell notification. You've got Casey O'Neill from Scotland taking on Ariane Lipsky from Brazil in the ladies 125 pound division. This one's an interesting fight, actually. You've got five foot six, playing five foot six with a two inch reach for O'Neill. Not much in it. Uh, O'Neill, she's finished. Five of her nine wins. She tends to strike. She does have a very high clip rate on the feet. Eight point seven uh, six, um, significant strikes per minute and she averages about two takedowns around she's very aggressive very offensively minded and she, she's got about 56% strike accuracy as well which is which is not bad at all Lipsky she's far less busy this is why I looked at the, st the stats on this one she only gets 3.94 significant strikes per minute she absorbs 4.20 which is not a good stat she also gets taken down a fair bit O'Neill on the stats anyway she should be much busier and I do think that she's going to be more active in every area and she's probably 
either going to find the finish or, or get the submit or get the get the decision, which is basically just say as good as saying she'll win. So I don't know why I even bothered saying, oh yeah, yeah, I think she'll get the winner. She'll get she'll get the finish, the submission, or or the decision. Yeah, yeah, okay, no shit, but yeah, she she'll probably win anyway. Cody Garbrandt takes on Brian Kelleher, 135 pound division. Now we've got 5'8 playing 5'6, uh, nothing in the reach really, half inch for Kelleher. You've got Cody, Cody Garbrandt, we all know that he, he won the belt off of uh, Dominic Cruz in a sensational performance. He looked really good and then he got starched a couple of times by the, by the CEO of EPO, Mr. Mr. TJ Dillashaw. And yeah, he's never looked the same since, honestly. Um, Sorry, I just needed to get a bit of my coffee there. Uh, his his boxing his boxing is outstanding. His cardio is okay. His his footwork is fantastic. He's a little bit one dimensional, and he never really goes for takedowns. He doesn't really go for submissions. You know exactly what he's going to be trying to do. Now, this one might be okay for Cody because uh, he, he's a guy that gets into wars. Another guy that gets into wars, but looking at the stats, is Brian Kelleher. He only significant strikes. He's three point three six, and then absorbing four point six one. That's per minute. So he's generally absorbing more than he's giving out. He's usually happy to stand and bang. This one should play out on the feet. Now. What concerns me here, this one should be, could be a fight of the night, honestly, just because the, they're both so reckless. They're, their styles are going to be pretty fun to go up against. Now, this one, you're betting on whose chin is going to hold out. Now, Cody, he got knocked out three times in a row after that nasty one from uh, TJ. And then he went and got knocked out by Kai Kara France when he had a go down at flyweight. Kelleher hasn't been knocked out since 2018 when he got knocked out by John Lineker, right? So he's been submitted a few times, but he has not been knocked out. I feel like his chin is probably going to be in a better condition than Cody's, and that's what I'm betting on. I, I, based on that, I like Kelleher by knockout in this one. And uh, you're probably getting him as getting him at a good price as well. That's that's one of my picks of the week, I guess. Uh, Irene Aldana, the Mexican, takes on Carol Rosa, the Brazilian, 135-pound ladies division. So five foot nine plays five foot five with a one-inch reach for Aldana. Aldana is your typical Mexican fighter. She bites down on the mouthpiece and she swings. Absolutely brilliant. She does catch some submissions though. She does, she's not very active with the takedowns, but she does get some submissions uh, from her back. She, she does like an armbar. She's got a couple of rear naked chokes as well. Now Rosa, she's, le she's less reckless. She's a little bit more um, methodical than uh, than Aldana. She she actually does hit more significant strikes than she absorbs, which is good. She also hits 1.3 takedowns per 15 minutes. And um, yeah, she uses her work rate to really wear her opponents out. And she's never been KO'd. She's very, very durable. I'm taking the Brazilian here. On paper, I just think that she's slightly more effective in every area. And if she can avoid a war, she's going to get a decision in that one. Josh Emmett then takes on Bryce Flat Earth Mitchell, 145 pounds. So Emmett, he's an absolute beast, but he's getting on. He's, uh, he's coming off two... Two tough losses uh, to Tapuria and Rodriguez, both excellent fighters, but he is now 38. You've got to wonder if he's kind of losing a step very, very slightly. Uh, what I like about Emmett's style is he kind of, th it looks like he's throwing, it looks like he's shooting the takedown, but actually he, gets, he keeps his hands really, really low and he kind of throws his bombs over the top. So whilst he doesn't hit a massive volume, he when he does hit, it's effective. It's really good. He's good fun to watch as well. Extremely strong. He's strong as an ox, honestly, but, um, especially in the grappling. But I think he's going to want to stay away from that with Bryce Mitchell because as crazy as his notions on the flat earth and wanting to debate Joe Rogan and all that stupidness is, the guy is absolutely elite on the ground. He just is. It's unbelievable. You look at his... Um, 
his stats here. He's got nine of 16 by submissions. He's got one of two twister submissions in the UFC ever. Uh, he avoids damage really well. He only avoids 1.6 significant strikes per minute. That's really, really low. He's got 59% uh, strike accuracy. Also, he's got a two, how many how many takedowns does he get? He gets a lot of takedowns. He's relentless with them. And yeah, so. Whether he's pulling guard or whether he's shooting for the takedown, he's trying to get, he's trying to initiate the grappling. And when he does, he is just elite. I'm gonna lean towards Bryce Mitchell on balance here, just because. Look, I feel like he's probably gonna be able to initiate the grappling. The only thing he's got to watch out for is Josh Emmett's power winging those overhand punches because they're a great equaliser. Honestly, good fight that. Good fight. Uh, main event, uh, main card is uh, up next. So again, if you like the content, hit subscribe. Uh, I drop videos all the time, talking fights, talking NFL, uh, just you know, having a bit of a laugh really, and just talking about the sports that I enjoy. I do, I do look into these things quite, quite detailed, just because it's a hobby. I, I like it. It's fun. So yeah, hit subscribe. Anyways, uh, we're going to kick off the main card with one of the biggest fights on the card. It's Vicente Luque against Ian Machado Gary. There's a lot of hype behind this one, mostly because of the Ian Machado Gary side of it. So you've got 5'11", playing 6'3", with a 1.5-inch reach for Luque, which is a little odd. Now, Vicente Luque, he's, he's, he's a, a veteran at this point, honestly. He gets into a lot of firefights. He absorbs as many significant strikes as he lands. Uh, he hits about one takedown per fight successfully, but he, that, that's definitely got increased in his last fight because he really controlled Rafael de Sanyos so well. And um, yeah, that that was telling. I, think, I feel like if he's going to start fighting a little bit smarter, a little, mixing in the takedowns rather than just biting down the mouthpiece and throwing down, uh, we're going to see a very dangerous Vicente Luque. Now, Ian Gary is proof that uh, you know you don't have to be a complete knobber to be an Irish MMA fighter, but it certainly helps because god damn it seems like, like I I can't think of an Irish MMA fighter that doesn't act like a complete knobhead a lot of the time. And you know what I quite liked Ian Gary until he started coming out with all that crap about Neil Magny like abusing his kids and oh shut up Ian for God's sake look I quite enjoyed him. You know what? And people are calling him a cuck and all that kind of thing. I, I don't blame him, right? Have you seen his wife? She is fantastic. I'd watch her ex-husband plough her. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd pay good money for that. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. I, I wouldn't pay good money for it. Um, but, you know, I'd probably tip on OnlyFans or something. God damn, don't blame him. Anyway... Look, he's left himself open for that. At the end of the day, he's he's getting all butthurt about it. But the way that he went after Neil Magny, I'm like, you know what? You reap what you say, mate. Like, it, it all comes back around to you, doesn't it? So, all that aside, I will say that Ian Gary is probably, he's pretty elite, honestly. Because when you look at the stats, this is where I, I, I have concern for Vicente Luque. Because he's elusive, he's long, 6.7 uh, significant strikes per minute. And he only absorbs 3.5. And that is what sets him apart from Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque basically hits five, absorbs five, because he just gets into firefights. He takes one to get one. Gary doesn't do that. Gary will give out damage and he won't take damage. And that is what sets him apart from the other guys in this division. And that's what makes him so dangerous. He hits takedowns as well. He's got he's, he's only shot for four takedowns, but he's hit three of them. But it's because people aren't expecting it. He mixes the strikes between the body, leg and the head so, so well. For me, the only chance Vicente Luque has here is if he goes grapple heavy and he does what he does to 
did to Rafael de Sanos, which could happen. We, I'm interested to see how Gary does with an elite-level BJJ guy on top of him because Vicente's top game is crushing. It is crushing. And... I don't know, who knows? Maybe Gary will end up getting flashbacks of like his wife's ex-husband or something. And that all kind of panic him. He'll get PST. PST <laughs> uh, whatever it is, the uh, PSTD, I don't know. What I can't even remember. God, I've got no words. My words are escaping me. Anyway. Yeah, I just I think that Ian Gary's probably gonna pick him apart. I think it'll stay on the feet and Ian Gary will pick him apart. It'll be a knockout. That's what I'm that's what my money's gonna be going on. Tony Ferguson then fights Paddy Pimlet in the Lightweight division. Most people are looking forward to this fight as well because we get to see the return of the legend, Tony Ferguson. And, you know, we've got the brash new uh, up-and-comer from Liverpool, uh, Paddy Pimlet. 5'11 plays 5'10, three-and-a-half-inch reach for Paddy. Now, Tony, as we said, is a legend in decline. But it's kind of like, look, he's kind of like an old circus tiger. Yes, you know, he's old and he's past his prime. But somebody gets in there that doesn't watch their P's and Q's, they might lose their neck. They might lose an arm. They might lose a leg. Because Tony Ferguson, he's just so good in every area. He really is. His his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is fantastic. He, he's so unusual in every area. It's hard to hard to train for a guy like Tony because he's throwing things from weird angles and he just and he gets into these wars. He's so durable. His cardio is fantastic. I'm concerned about the whole David Goggins thing because I feel like no, where Tony wasn't losing fights because his cardio is bad. Uh, maybe it's a mindset thing. Look, maybe maybe it will help. Maybe it is a mindset thing. But I, I just feel like training yourself to the point of being broken, uh, I don't know if that's the best strategy for a fight, honestly, especially against a young up-and-comer like Paddy. I think Paddy looks like he's taking it a little bit more seriously now. Uh, I think he had a surgery on his back or something that he needed, and he does look like he's in great shape. Uh, fight against Gordon aside, he still hasn't been beaten inside the octagon. He's found a way to do it. He does leave his chin exposed, though. That is a problem. Uh, I feel like getting into a striking match with Tony, I think that's giving Tony too much of a chance. And also, look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the grappling. For me, this is a bit of a banana peel for Paddy. Because, look, I'm quite a big fan of Paddy Pimler. I've been following him since Cage Warriors. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the guy. This has banana peel written all over it. Because it's a fight that he's supposed to win, really. Realistically, Tony's on a six-fight losing streak. Um... It's a no-win fight. Fair play to Paddy for taking this. Yes, Tony is a legend, but if he wins, people will say Tony was done, right? And if he loses, it'll be like, oh, you got beaten by a washed Tony. There is no winning this fight for him. And yeah, like neither of them have anything. Like, neither of them are good at getting the fights to the ground. But so how they end up on the ground so much is, is beyond me. They, they usually get taken down themselves, obviously. Because they're certainly not doing it on takedown offense, not according to the stats anyway. And if the UFC stats are wrong, then that's on them, not me. Anyway, yeah, for for Paddy, I think that he needs to go back to what got what got him to the dance, which is the grappling. I don't feel like standing with Tony is going to go well. I think Tony's too unorthodox, and actually, he's probably a bit too powerful, a bit too good. I, this has got a real banana skin feel. I'm taking Tony. I am taking Tony. I feel like. I don't feel like Paddy's looking past him. I feel like everyone else is, though. And I just feel like Tony Ferguson's still dangerous. He's still... he He's an old tiger. He's still a tiger. He he could he could do some damage. I'm taking Tony. Then you've got Shavkat Rachmanov, the undefeated Kazakhstan native, 17-0, 17 finishes, taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, 17-6, one no contest, or one draw, 
uh, in the 170 pound division. A lot of welterweights. Well, a lot of welterweights on this card. 6-1, play 6 foot, a 2 inch reach for Shavkat. Now, this one's an easy one for me, honestly. Like, no disrespect to Stephen Thompson, but I do not see a way that he wins this fight. Uh, Shavkat Rakmonov, I do not understand why there isn't more hype behind this guy. 17 wins, no losses, all finishes. All of them finishes, right? People kind of, uh, the, the only argument I hear against him is like, oh, well, you know, he got he got really tested against Jeff Neal. It's like, Jeff Neal is legit. Jeff Neal is so good. And he hung in there, and it wasn't like he was getting battered. It was just a competitive fight. And do you know why people, like, remember that as being, oh, but he had a tough one against Neal? It's the same reason people remember, oh, Gustafsson won that first fight against Jones, which he didn't, by the way. It was just the only time you'd seen Jones in a competitive fight. And it's the same with Shavkat. It's the only time we've seen him in a competitive fight. So people are like, oh, you know, he's not that good. No, he is that good. How did that fight end? He dropped he, he dropped Jeff Neal with a bar choke. Dropped him unconscious in the middle of the octagon. Walked away. It was ice cold. It was similar to the Mashida Jones kind of walk off. Kind of dropped him like unconscious after choking him. It was ice cold and Shavkat is ice cold his kickboxing is unreal significant strikes 4.4 and he only absorbs 2.6 he's always just out of range and then he gets into his own range he hits takedowns whenever he wants his accuracy is not great but that's because he chains them together so much now look I'm not saying that Thompson hasn't got a chance. Obviously, Thompson's got a chance. We saw that against Holland. When Holland uh, stood with Stephen Thompson, like it, it was it was a bad night at the office for, for Kevin Holland. But Kevin Holland's stand-up is nowhere near the level of Shavkat Rachmanov. It just isn't. Rachmanov wins this however he wants. I think that he, he's got eight knockouts and nine submissions. I think he looks to even that out to get his ninth knockout. That's, that's how I see this one going. And no disrespect to Stephen Thompson... But he's he's getting older and he's got one way of, you know, he, he'll only be competitive if Shavkat chooses to stand with him. And whether he does or not is completely up to Shavkat. Shavkat wins this however he wants, in my opinion. Andre Pantoja, Alexandre Pantoja takes on Blandon Hoyval uh, in his first title defence at 125 pounds. Five foot five plays, five foot nine. One inch reach for Hoyval. Uh, Pantoja, look, he's a champ. He's so good, right? He looked brilliant against Moreno. He's a finisher. He's got eight knockouts. Um, I think he's got 10 submissions, something like that. He's, he's basically, he's got a lot of finishes. He basically finishes most of his fights. He, he got one neck crank. A neck crank in the UFC. He must have the hardest squeeze on him. That is that is mental. Roy Val, though, he's a BJJ black belt. He's got very good, efficient striking. Uh, you know, he's he's got 100% takedowns. Uh, only two attempted, but he's still got 100% of them. Uh, nine submissions on 15 wins. He's great off his back as well, but his top pressure is where it's at. I like this. It's an even matchup, but I do like Roy Val in this one. I think he's got the skill set to give Pantoja some, some real trouble. Don't get me wrong. Pantoja's just a hard man. He's a tough guy to take out. But if someone can get the drop on him, it's Roy Val. That's great matchmaking. Absolutely love that fight. Really do. Then you've got the main event. Leon Edwards taking on Colby Covington. £170 title. Six foot plays, 5'11". Two inch reach for Edwards. Now... This is just an interesting fight. You've got two very distinct different personalities. Leon's 
like cool and measured and just and, and kind of ice cold you know what i mean pound for pound headshot dead i love that saying absolutely brilliant and colby covington obviously we all know him he's he's playing this character he's telling calling people nerds and virgins and like you know all that aside he is an elite level fighter he's been waiting a long time for this shot as well and Edwards, he's one of the best pure strikers in the UFC. His footwork is outstanding. His takedown defense is very, very good, which frustrates wrestlers no end. He sets a lot of traps, and that's how he caught Usman, by the way. It wasn't a fluke kick. Do you know, people go, oh, yeah, but he just got, he got lucky against Usman. No, he didn't. He set traps for that entire fight, and then eventually one of them worked. And, yeah, you know... But, there's always a little bit of fortune involved in those kind of things, but he set the traps and that was the intent was to knock him out with a head kick and he did it. So give him the goddamn respect that he deserves. He then went out and beat Usman in a five round decision. He has just come off beating the consensus. He hasn't lost in eight years, by the way, right? He's just got done beating Kamaru Usman, the consensus best welterweight of all time to some people. And he's just done beating him twice and people are still kind of looking past Leon Edwards. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a very tough fight. There's a reason people are kind of saying, you know, Leon might be in trouble here because this might be one wrestle-heavy matchup too many because Covington's no joke, man. Look past all the clownishness. Look past all the theatrics, right? He is no joke. The, the pressure this guy puts on. I just want to throw a few stats out here, right? He's got, like... 48 takedowns in his career on 146 attempts because he's constantly shooting in, constantly. 2,606 strikes thrown. Like, it's landed, yeah, thrown. And I think he's landed about half of those. But that's not the point. He's just constantly attacking. He constantly is making you think. And that's where he's going to start finding success because Leon Edwards has to be able to kind of like Johnny, he's so good at striking but he but he's going to need to really like set the traps and he's you know try, and if you can stop if you can take away that ability to think to to set the traps Covington's style is a nightmare for that Usman doesn't quite pressure like that. Usman's a, a very is, is a slower much more deliberate pace. Colby Covington is frenetic, he's fast. He's 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 going to cause issues here. I really do think he is. Now, Co Covington, he lands four takedowns per 15 minutes on average. That's a crazy stat. Most people, most UFC fighters don't even have one per 15 minutes. Colby has four. That's He's he's not only good at the rest, he's not only got success, but he just, he just doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. His cardio is out of this world. And that's one thing. The second Leon's cardio dips just a little bit, that's blood in the water. That's what Covington will turn it up at that point. He really will. Look, people don't take Colby Covington seriously because of the way he kind of clowns around. Make no mistake, he is bloody dangerous. If this fight stays standing for too long and there isn't the threat of the takedown, then Leon's going to take his head off. But Colby's going to have him constantly thinking about the takedown, constantly thinking about what Colby's doing, not thinking about what he's doing. And that's going to be difficult to deal with. As much as I want to see Cole, I want to see Leon win. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a patriot like that. <laughs> but I'm also a very big fan of Colby Covington. I can't lie. I've been a fan of his for a very long time. I love that grinding style. I love that style that breaks people's will, that breaks them with by imposing your will on them. Like Randy Couture used to do the same thing. And he's one of my favorites of all time. 
Like he would just literally put a pressure on people that they couldn't deal with and then you'd watch them break. And that's what Colby does. He might not get the finishes, but he breaks people with sheer cardio and pressure and just sheer volume. And I love watching it. It's going to be a really fun fight. My pick for that one is a Colby Covington decision, but I would, you know, it, it, it could go either way, honestly. I'm just excited to see how it pans out. I'm going to be putting some bets down on Saturday to see, uh, you know, just, I like to put down some terrible bets and uh, they're just a bit of fun. MMA scratch card, do the whole card, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, as always, you know, hit subscribe, all that good stuff. Until next time, keep those odds long and those bets terrible.